It's not the Zaid. It's not the story. It's the Zaid story. Zade story. My name is Kevin Zade, and I am recording this introduction poolside in the gazebo at my in-laws' house next to the pool. We are getting ready for the eclipse, which is, uh, if you're listening to this first thing in the morning on Mondays, is just a couple hours away. So everybody enjoy the uh, enjoy the madness, enjoy the uh, spectacle. Um, this week, I am bringing to you an interview with Josh Larson, the co-host of Film Spotting and the author of Movies Are Prayers. We got together over Skype and uh, talked about his book, talked about film criticism. Uh, it was an honor to talk to him. Uh, film Spotting is one of my favorite podcasts, and uh, I, I think we had a really good conversation. It was uh, at least really fun for me. Uh, I hope you as listeners will enjoy it. I know it's not the usual format of the show, but uh, we'll be back next week with a regular episode where Josh and I discuss the new film The Dark Tower with Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey. So thank you for listening. It does mean a lot to have you guys listen, and uh, we'll see you next week, or we'll be back next week. Uh, thank you for uh, participating. If any of you guys have suggestions or changes, ideas that you think would be really good on the show, things you would like to hear more, um, now would be a really great time to send in your emails. Uh, additions or subtractions to the show. But until then, uh, for the love of movies and beer, here is my conversation with Josh Larson. Hello, this is Kevin. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Does you, uh, uh, sound all right, this connection? Uh, yeah. Does it sound good on your end? Yeah, you're coming in pretty clear, so... Awesome. Uh, so, first of all, thank you for uh, joining me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for your interest. Yeah, I uh, I read your book. I Although, I'll be honest, I haven't read the last chapter yet because <laughs> I haven't seen Rushmore. Oh, wow. I wow. know. <laughs> <laughs> Wise move, then, on not reading it, because it pretty much takes you through the whole film, but shame on you for I not know. seeing Rushmore. <laughs> I know. I it's all, it's. all. I knew I was going to have to uh, fess up when I spoke to you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Well, now you have a good excuse to read it, so, or to watch it, and then you can, uh, then you can finish the book. You know, I, uh, I started, I think it's available on HBO right now. Oh, okay. And so I started it, but it was too late, and I wanted to give it, like, the best opportunity. Sure. Uh, I uh, I like Wes Anderson a lot less than you do, but... Uh, okay. 
but I uh, some of his movies, like uh, the Fantastic Mr. Fox, I love. Yeah. Good, good. Uh, I do really love The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. Right, strange, right? <laughs> yeah, usually that's the one only the hardcore people like. So. Yeah, so I saw that in high school and thought it was boring and not okay. funny. Yeah. Uh, expecting a Groundhog's Day, what about Bob, Bill Murray performance. I see. <laughs> it was my first Wes Anderson film. Oh, uh, Okay. I thought it was terrible. And then (laughs) (laughs) watched it a few years later with uh, some friends who were big Wes Anderson fans. And they they convinced me that it was uh, actually pretty good. So nice. Awesome. So uh, let's see. I I, you you do a lot more interviews than I do. uh, I imagine I've been doing a lot for the book. So, yeah. Yeah. It's been kind of crazy. Um, I have done one interview on this show. I got to talk with, uh, Josh Legary, who okay. directed Clean Flicks. It was fun. He is on, he, he hosts a podcast called Movie Streamcast, and I listened to that, and so I reached out to him, and we had a conversation, so that was kind of fun, but that's cool. the only interview I've done besides this one, so. Okay. Well, thanks for, yeah, I'm sorry I couldn't do the whole show. It's just, um. Uh, it, it's just been crazy busy. So thanks for being willing to, you know, to squeeze in a quick interview here. I appreciate it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess we'll just, uh, I guess we'll just get right into it if you're okay with that. Yeah, that's fine. So it'll just be the two of us then. Yeah, my uh, my co-host uh, couldn't come tonight, and I figured with just the interview process, he hadn't read the book yet, and he sure. Uh, so I thought. It would just be easier for you and I to talk. Yeah, no problem. Sounds good. Cool. Uh, so, welcome back to the Zade story, to the listeners, and to you, of course. Welcome to the Zade story. Uh, my name is Kevin Zade, <laughs> and uh, and yes, you listeners are listening to the voice of Josh Larson, who is the co-host of Film Spotting also an author of the book movies are prayers and has written what i think you said like over 2500 different reviews of films on your website oh yeah well that's going back to i think about 2004 or 5 something like that and includes capsule reviews of the stuff when i was a daily newspaper critic and i was seeing you know like five to seven things a week. So there's a lot of stuff on there. Some of it's old and, and I put everything uh, new up there as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's cool. I checked it out. I was uh, looking for some of the, some specific movies that maybe you and I agreed or disagreed on. Oh, okay. I was, uh, I was trying to find a movie. Well, we'll get to that eventually. <laughs> um, All right. So do you want to tell us about your book? Maybe, uh, Kind of what inspired you to write this specific topic, what the book is about, maybe like a short, we would call it a rundown or a synopsis. Sure. Yeah, so the book came out of some of the work I do at my day job. Uh, Film spotting is uh, sort of a side thing, a side project I have. Uh, My day job is as editor of a website called Think Christian, and there we just look at all of 
culture, popular culture specifically through a uh, through the lens of faith. And so I've been learning. That's something, you know, as I said, I was a daily critic for a newspaper for a number of years. I've been at Think Christian since uh, 2011. So I've been learning how to write about film from that perspective in these last couple of years and trying out different ways of doing it. And this was an idea, Movies Are Prayers, that seemed like one angle, one way in to apply a faith lens to film without hijacking the films, you know, without forcing anything on them or worrying about, you know, the content and, and giving warnings to people in terms of whether these movies are safe. I didn't didn't want to do stuff like that. Um, and so it struck me that quite often movies do function because they are um, human expressions, collective human expressions, um, but often exploring basic questions about who we are, why we're here, and what is this place that are the same thought, these are the same sort of things people express in prayer. Um, and the fundamental understanding of the book is that, yes, people of faith obviously do this and have structured ways to do this, whether in church or through liturgy, but I contend also that everyone does this. You know, we, we all do things like um, praise when we're in awe of something. We lament um, when we see something terrible and broken in the world. Uh, we confess um, some of the things that uh, we feel need to be said about ourselves. So all of these yearnings and expressions are buried within us. And quite often they're also echoed in the films we see, sometimes even unintentionally. That's perfect. Almost like you wrote the book yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thought, I thought a little bit about this. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Do uh, I thought I would point out a few of the chapters or uh, just like a few sentences here. Um, sure. Would you read, do, would you be willing to read that first uh, paragraph in chapter one where it says, what exactly is prayer? Yeah, I can do that. Uh, let's see here. Okay. So yeah, the first chapter is uh, is basically movies are prayers with a question mark. Kind of, you know, what am I even suggesting here? Uh, so so this paragraph starts with a question: What exactly is prayer? You already know. You're you've prayed even if you haven't set foot in a church for years or ever. You've longed. You've desired. You've marveled. You've groaned. You've looked at the beauty of the world as the Welsh miners do in How Green Was My Valley and said, wow. You've seen great suffering, as Sheriff Ed Tom Bell does in No Country for Old Men, and asked, why? Who is it that you and the miners are praising? Why are you and the sheriff bothering to complain? So, yeah, that, that's kind of a, um, a better worded <laughs> version of what I was just trying to explain. Yeah, I, that, that was the first thing I read when I was like, oh, I should definitely try and see if we could talk because that is that explains in words exactly like you said better words than i could express on why some of these movies are so moving to me uh, hmm. like especially no country for old men uh that yeah one, that i just it, it was it's really neat for me to read this and understand why a movie like that or why I can't get away from a movie like uh, Taxi Driver, like why that stays with me. Uh, right, right. In, uh, in, your, in your chapter on prayers of anger, you kind of co-talk about 
both Fight Club and Taxi Driver. But you say, you know, the violence that follows at the end of the film is Travis's response to his and the world's moral impotence. Never mind David asking God to break the teeth of his enemies. Travis will do it himself. Which I thought was awesome that you could link King David to Travis Bickle from <laughs> Scorsese's Taxi Driver. <laughs> yeah, and I, I guess, you know, at first glance that seems uh, unlikely, but David was a pretty nasty guy, at least as he's depicted in the Bible. And um, as the author of so many of the Psalms, we think him, think of him as someone who offered praise, of course, but did lament as well and certainly offered sounds of anger. Like that comes from Psalm 58. And that language, you know, to, to break the teeth is something you associate with the violence of a Scorsese film and a character like uh, De Niro's Travis Bickle. Yeah, that was just, it was really neat to see that you kind of link movies like that throughout the whole book in different categories. Um, so I, I really liked it. Uh, in chapter 10, you talk about my neighbor Totoro. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it's movies are prayers of joy, because so far we've just talked about uh, No Country for Old Men and Taxi Driver, but there's a lot of uh, of joy and uh, what's the other? Reconciliation. That was another really good chapter. Thanks. Uh, it's on page 158, he says... Uh, Totoro does what he does best, interrupts a moment of worry and fear with gentle good cheer. Uh, talking about the scene where he's holding the umbrella with the street lamp and the raindrops and the, uh, Totoro's wide eyes and beaming smile literally shine. Um, so yeah, I thought that was a really beautiful picture of uh, that nonsensical joy that you kind of talk about. So... Yeah, thanks. I, you know, enjoy was a harder one to write about because I think things like lament or anger, we can, for whatever reason, we can recognize in ourselves more easily. And we can also make those links to some of the biblical stories as well, like I did with David. But when you talk about something like joy, I specifically associated prayers of joy being those that celebrate uh, hints of, you know, the coming kingdom, the new creation that the Bible talks about. And that's something we don't fully know what it looks like or can comprehend. The Bible gives hints, but there are also hints in this present world. And there are hints, I think, in the movies that we see. And certainly films that are full of joy, I think, capture a bit of that. And Totoro is one of those where that's the overwhelming feeling I have while watching that picture. It's just joy in the character of Totoro, joy in the um, the fun and delight that that character brings into what is really a very sad situation. These two sisters uh, whose mother is seriously ill in the hospital. So, so joy was one that was a little trickier to see. Okay, how do, how do movies offer up joy in a way that does? model or echo the sorts of prayers of joy that that christians might offer yeah that's uh that that's uh that's also when i was reading that was those were the harder movies to kind of relate to as well so i Mm. completely get what you're saying because as i'm reading those prayers of yearning or anger 
and confession, I'm right there with all of them, you know? Right, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, it's, it's good insight. Well, thanks. Um, I was, I thought I might, uh, some of the, uh, with my religious, uh, experiences here, uh, one of the things that we focus on in my church is uh, is dinner and uh, and breaking bread with uh, fellow people, uh, sure, neighbors. Sure. And so I was thinking about if if I were to write a book or a part of your book, a chapter, I might do dinner scenes because um, mm. I, I like that. Uh, you know prayers of dinner. Um, yeah, I was thinking of like uh, the uh, La La Land dinner scene with uh, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone kind of yes. being unable to communicate that they're both trying their best for each other or wanting the best for each other, but their own things. I thought that was just a, a great scene. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that, that was um, the, the lighting in that. I mean, the lighting throughout that movie is so intriguing, but I remember that eerie green that yes. sort of dominates. Yeah. Uh, and then I recently watched Patterson, that Jim Jarmusch film, mm-hmm. and there's that scene where he eats that broccoli. Or no, it's a Brussels sprouts and cheddar cheese pie for dinner. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I don't know how very, much. <laughs> that was a very sacrificial act as a as a husband there to eat that. I think. Yeah, and he just drinks all the water each time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that scene. Great movie. And I think the the last one I would mention is that I uh, that I really connected with it was this year's Logan. Hmm. That dinner scene in the cabin with the or not cabin in the like the farmhouse with those people that kind of bring them in. That's right. Yeah. And there's the conversation where it feels like they pretend they're father and son, but like that relationship is so beautiful and broken at the same time like mm-hmm. i i really enjoyed that one as well yeah there's some wonderful domestic moments in that whole sequence when when um logan is carrying professor x up the stairs uh to bring him to the bedroom um yeah i like logan quite a bit yeah i you i wouldn't have guessed to have gotten teary-eyed at an x-men movie but <laughs> right yeah <laughs> totally uh awesome so i think uh Unless you have anything else specifically about the book, I had just kind of a couple of questions for you. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so does the lens of faith or prayer, uh, as you said, conflict with the lens of technical film criticism at all? Like when you're watching a movie, do the two kind of views compete at all? Well, you're getting at exactly where I ended up in writing about film from a faith perspective, which is to very much try to incorporate the technical or aesthetic elements, however you want to describe it. I I think we're talking about things like cinematography or editing or production design, those sorts of things. Exactly. Yeah, because, you know, I... As I said, I didn't have a lot of experience writing about film from a Christian perspective. When I, I went to a Christian college, but my best opportunities coming out of school were in mainstream media. 
Um, that's where I, you know, my voice naturally fits. So that's where a lot of my experience was. And, and really at the same time, this would have been during the culture wars of like the late nineties. Um, what quote unquote Christian film criticism was out there was like quoting swear words or nude scenes. <laughs> and I never, I never really watched movies that way. So I wouldn't have even known how to do that. So I sort of went in a different direction. Um, and then when I started to return to um, not even return, but to try doing this, um, I knew I didn't want to do that swear count thing, but I was still a little, I put more emphasis on theme and narrative than I had in my previous writing for mainstream outlets. For some reason, my instinct was, okay, if I'm going to write about this from a Christian perspective, um, I need to pay more attention to theme. Like, what is this movie about? What is it saying? And then how does that maybe stand alongside a Christian worldview? I still think that's an important element of Christian film criticism. But I think my first instinct was to do that at the expense of observing the art form itself, which was odd because I've always written about the form. Like I look back at some of my earliest reviews and, um, you know, I, I pay close attention to form. So eventually I started to get that balance um, and I remember it was uh, Alyssa Wilkinson, who was the uh, Christianity Today film critic and is now at Vox.com. Um, she wrote something, I think it was for Christianity Today, that really did emphasize the importance of form. And I remember thinking, you know, yeah, that's that's something it's OK if I if I bring that into the writing I'm doing about film for Think Christian as well. So I've almost swung more the other way. Um, where I'm trying to really look at the form first in a lot of ways. That's what the book does. I think it helps because I spend a lot of time on individual scenes rather than trying to sum up an entire movie and yeah. saying that, that this movie is this sort of prayer. More often I'm saying this element of a movie mirrors a form of prayer. And so that allows me to talk about, um, you know, the CGI animation in Avatar. Or, you know, the, the lighting at the finale of Do the Right Thing, the cinematography there, um, and, you know, the costume design of Ginger Rogers' dress and top hat. Uh, and, and so what I like about that, then, is I'm really working with what the movie is giving me rather than bringing something to the movie. Oh, yeah. Very interesting. Like you in, uh, you talk about Buzz Lightyear as in A Prayer of Confession, but you're only talking about that that one scene, really. Yes. Yeah. So I concentrate, you know, near the end where he watches um, the television commercial of the toy buzz and has that epiphany that he's he's been presenting himself as a false self. And, and that becomes a moment of confession for him. And then I do try to tie it in to the very end. Now, you could say, you know, all of Toy Story is a prayer of confession because it is primarily Buzz's journey to that awareness um, but really, it is that specific scene with the television commercial that I think clarifies that and, and functions as this moment of confession. Yeah, I liked that a lot. That's a good answer. <laughs> well, thanks. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, do you remember the first film that you like that hit you on a level deeper than? Oh yeah, it was a great performance, or I really liked you know the lasers, or I mean. I know you grew up, you, you say you grew up in the 80s, is that right? Yeah, so I was in high school, high school 90s, but yeah, previous to that, uh, in school during the 80s. So was there was there a movie that, like, that you remember that just kind of 
blew you away with like the fact that movies can be more than just entertainment? Uh, yes. So that would have been Miller's Crossing, the Coen Brothers film. Um, so we're talking 1990. I would have been, yeah, in high school at that time. And it was, I'd already was like obsessed with movies and had watched, um, you know, countless hundreds of them. But I think it was there where I started to realize the, the craft that was going into it, the decisions that were being made, that there was someone in the director's chair who was making me experience this particular movie in a particular way. So I'd probably point to Miller's Crossing. That's a good movie. I, or That's a good pick. I, unfortunately, haven't seen Miller's Crossing. Oh, boy. It's it for me, you know, and maybe it's how I experienced it, but it really is at the top there uh, among the Coen Brothers films. And I do love the Coen Brothers, so... You got to get to it. All right, I'll I'll put that right. Should I watch it before or after Rushmore? <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Rushmore first because then you can finish the book. Okay, perfect. <laughs> um, let's see here. I've got. Uh, does film criticism, either through faith lens or not through faith lens, does it take away from your enjoyment? Like, does it kind of make movies a job, whereas before you loved movies and now you kind of resent having to watch certain ones because you're writing about them? Or how does that relationship affect your movie experience? Well, thankfully, because, um, you know, a good deal of my profession is still tied into movie watching. Thankfully for me, they're one and the same thing. So it's fun for me to spend time thinking deeply about a film and, and study how a film is working and articulate my response to a film. Like that's fun. It's, it's work as well. Um, but I enjoy the process and I enjoy the result. So I, I think, you know, I hope this day never comes, but you do see people burn out on film criticism because it does become a requirement and they say, Hey, I just want to go to a movie and watch it. And, maybe say a few things afterwards and go home. That's an entirely, you know, legitimate response. Everyone engages with the movies in a different way. But I think for those of us who uh, are fulfilled by criticism, there is no distinction. The The act of responding to the film is part of the fun of, of watching the film. Okay, yeah, I completely understand that. <laughs> well, yeah, because I mean, for me, this is this this podcast is just a passion project. I uh, I have a, a day job at an industrial gas plant. Uh, okay, and so so the movies are they they used to be my escape, and and that became my passion, and so uh, that's yeah. that's exactly you know what you're saying is exactly my own thoughts. Is I love. Th I love watching a movie and thinking about what it means as opposed to just enjoying the colors that are presented. Sure, sure. Yeah, and that doesn't mean that there's, you know, there's a right or a wrong way of doing it. But but for those of us who, who do like digging in a little deeper, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's more of a passion than work. Yeah, passion is a good word. Is there a category of a film that is weighted when you watch a movie, like, can you forgive maybe the acting if the cinematography is really good or if maybe the performances are really good, but the cinematography is bad, it takes away from your experience? Or are you able to kind of judge movies based on each particular category? 
Yeah, you know, I don't really, this goes back a little bit to going into a film with checklists. I don't really go in with a checklist like, well, how was the cinematography? How was the score? Um, those things are in the back of my mind. And I, again, it goes back to like allowing the movie to speak first and see what it offers. So if a movie offers up its cinematography first and foremost, and I think that it's something that's so amazing that none of the other stuff really matters, um, that's what I'll write about. That's what I'll talk about. Uh, in a sense, a little bit that happened with the Neon Demon, last year's Nicholas Winding Refn film. Um, it was clearly, you know, a work of uh, cinematography first and foremost, and um, that's what I ended up focusing on, and I ended up putting that movie on my top ten list, as a matter of fact. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I don't know that I give more points to one category than another, um, and certainly often the movies that do end up on my top ten list, more often than not, they're ones where all of those things come together in a way they're all done so well and in conjunction with each other that they do add up to um a holistic amazing experience yeah that's a that's a fair answer i think that's the right answer um Uh, good i'm I'm glad i'm (laughs) passing the test so far (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) um i let's see uh okay here's my last kind of quote-unquote question all right Uh, do you have advice to people who enjoy watching films critically on how to kind of perfect their craft? Like, is there, like, maybe a better question. Is there an exercise that you practice to think critically about a film? I know you just said that there's not, like, a checklist thing to think about. Right. Um, you know, you just got to do it is kind of the obvious answer. So... Uh, that means keeping a a journal of what you're viewing and what you thought of it, whether that's something private or you're using, you know, a platform like Letterboxd, um, which uh, I, I really love. It's kind of a it is a social network, but primarily it's an, primarily it's an online journal, a viewing journal of what you've watched. And you can write stuff about it. You can rate it, rank it, all that sort of thing. And then you can share it publicly through your profile. Um, or just, you know, a good old fashioned movie blog of your own is, is good to, to have too. And then the other important thing would be just, you know, read the greats and mm. read a lot of film criticism. So, um, going back to Pauline Kael or of course, Roger Ebert, um, I'm looking at two David Thompson books on my desk right now. Um, and then keeping up with the current, uh, people who are really good. Manola Dargis at the New York Times and, uh, there's a lot of really easily accessible, good film writing going on right now. So it's it's um, it's just a matter of keeping abreast with how other people have done film criticism, and then continually practicing your own uh, your own style of that. So that it's like anything else, you know, with with practice, you will get a little better. That is fair. Uh, have you read any, I think his name is Harlan Ellison? Yeah, well, that sounds familiar. Remind me, Harlan Ellison. Ah, uh, I can't, I don't have the book in front of me. I can't remember the title. It's the only film criticism book I have because I found it at Goodwill for like 25 cents. Uh, oh, okay. It's, uh, it's, he was a critic. Uh, he was, he was very, uh, he had a big personality. He wrote about films uh, very strongly. 
Uh, yeah, I thought. Did he do like screenplays too? It's, it's it seems like. Yeah, he might it's, have. It sounds it sounds familiar. Like it's it's striking a bell there. But okay. So um, and and have you appreciated um, the stuff of his you've read? Well, yeah, the uh, I I I'm not actually much of a reader. Yours is the uh, first book I've read through for probably the last three or four years. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> I, uh, I I read. I am honored then. Yeah, you and. Uh, you're on the same level as Victor Hugo. Because <laughs> the last... As, as it should be. Yeah. The last book I read before yours all the way through is uh, Les Mis. Wow, okay. Uh, and then I've got two Bruce Springsteen books. One is his autobiography and one is his biography. So All right. Well, yeah, I, it sounds like I'm in good company. So. Exactly. Um, so out of... Tell me a little bit about film spotting. How you came across Adam? Did you know him before he started film spotting, or how did how did you land that gig? We sort of knew each other um, through Twitter, even though both you know seen movies regularly in Chicago, and I'm sure sat in screenings together. Um, and I didn't you know really know what he looked like, but had some interaction on Twitter. So when he was looking for someone to fill in needed a guest host. Uh, he just reached out to me there and said, Hey, do you want to uh, come on and give this a try? So I, I did a couple times. And then, uh, the co-host at that time, uh, Maddie Ballgame ended up, um, leaving. He just wanted to go do other things. So that opened up uh, the possibility to do it, uh, as a regular thing. And, and so Adam invited me and it's been an absolute blast, a, a little bit like you're describing a passion project on the side, but, something that I, I really enjoy and feel fortunate to be able to do. It's it's a really great podcast. I love listening to the two of your chemistry is, re- is really strong, especially when you disagree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, those are the fun ones. Right. Did you, I can't remember if you liked The Wolf of Wall Street or American Hustle. Uh, I was on the correct side of that debate, which would mean that I favor American Hustle. Okay. I was hoping that it was the other way around because I favored Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> yeah, I think that's uh, that's probably the more common opinion. So so I, I understand. I get that a lot. Uh, and I didn't hate American Hustle. I just liked the other one better. Um, but there was a few movies that I thought I would just say thank you to introducing me to. Uh, one would be your Golden Brick segment uh, is so cool for people who love movies. Uh, oh, that, great. Yeah. That, that aren't going to be seen without hearing about them. Yeah. These are smaller films, often from first time or second time directors that we, we give an award at the end of the year. Uh, we have about, you know, usually between five and seven nominees and then choose one for the award. So those are always fun to keep an eye out for and to, to get to experience. So I got to see Blue Ruin through that lens. Ah, and nice. I just loved it. Good. Uh, so much so that I went to see Green Room, which I don't yes. like horror, but I loved that one as well. Yeah, um, and it's that weird hybrid of... Of um, horror and thriller too. Yeah, the the best kind of horror where there's more than just gore. <laughs> yeah, but although there's there's a there's, lot of gore. In that. Yeah, there <laughs> is. Um, I've also appreciated the introduction to Jeff. I think it's Jeff Nichols, the one who did Take Shelter yep. and uh, Mud. Is that right? 
Yes. And he's yeah. got, I really loved Mud, and I liked. Wait, no, nah, it's Midnight Special. Midnight that's Special the, from that's last his most year, recent. Yeah. yeah, I actually yeah, haven't Midnight seen. Special was take good, shelter. and then what I liked even better was from last year. He had two films come out because Midnight Special was delayed, but Loving. Um, is one that did make my top ten list last year too. So yeah, that's um, yeah, the one with that, Joel Edgerton, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, a historical drama that's really strong. Okay, I'll check that one out too. That's also on HBO currently. There you go. Um, as far as your latest release about the films of 1967, yes, uh, I, I am super excited to see Lay Samurai. Oh, you haven't seen that yet, huh? I haven't seen that, and I know this is terrible, especially for a guy who likes movies, but I haven't seen Cool Hand Luke. Oh, yeah. Well, I can't say too much, because I think it was only about five years ago that I caught up with it myself. So, for some reason, that one had slipped by me as well. But, yeah, so those are just a couple of things. Um, thanks Thanks for doing this. Yeah, absolutely. I I appreciate um, your interest, and and the questions, and yeah, getting a chance to talk about some of this stuff. Um, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you would uh, that you would like to mention? Or uh... I think you you know you you covered it really well. The questions um, questions were solid, and got a chance to give folks a somewhat an idea of you know not only what the what the book's about, but how it works a little bit. Because even when you describe the idea, you know, you might be like, well. Yeah, but how do you get a book out of that? So, right. <laughs> so thanks for highlighting some of those some of those examples. Oh, well, good, good. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> um, let's see here. I uh, do you want to do like just kind of like a where we can find you? I know we kind of covered that throughout, sure. but maybe just kind of like a yeah. you can find where where can we find your stuff? So, film spotting you can find wherever you download your other podcasts. Uh, Think Christian, that's more of my writing through a faith lens, and we cover all sorts of pop culture, not just movies. That's at thinkchristian.net. And then the uh, website we were talking about is larsenonfilm.com, L-A-R-S-E-N. If you want to find me on Letterboxd, Twitter, Facebook, just look for Larson on Film, and that's where I'll be. Awesome. Um, You can follow me on Letterboxd as well at uh, KZAD, Z-A-D-E. Uh, and the Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, all the Zade story. Story is spelled with an E-Y because of our co-host Josh's last name spelled story. Um, but yeah, thank you, Josh, for coming on here. Uh, I hope our listeners enjoyed it. I know at least half of our listeners will really enjoy this conversation. Um, Well, thanks so much for having me, Kevin. Thank you so much. Have a great night and uh, look forward to hearing your next episode. It's not the Zade. It's not the story. It's the Zade story.